Wilson. Little roller up along first. Behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. A 2-1 pitch. And a drive in the air to deep right field. That ball headed toward the wall. That ball is out of here. Out of here. A game-winning grand slam home run off the bat of Robin Ventura. Hey. And it's hit deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run by Piazza. And the Mets lead three to two. Turner drives one to center, chasing Nimmo back to the warning track, right at the fence. He made the catch! Oh, wow! The catch of the year for Brandon Nimmo! He took a home run away from Justin Turner! Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in 10, 9, Episode number 18, the Shea Hello Podcast. My name is Casey Lynn, and I am joined by my co-host, former Met, Bill Pulsifer, as we are brought to you by Roots-Recordings.com, Stephen White behind the scenes as our producer, and uh, Bill, before we start on everything, of course, how are you doing? I'm well today, thank you. How about yourself? Doing Okay. Uh, we talked last week, we, uh, we had a couple of weeks off before then, and, uh, it was good to get back into the groove. And, uh, here we are a week later, uh, and, uh, not much has changed, uh, in, in Netland, which is, uh, actually surprising, but there's still a lot to talk about. And, uh, we had a lot of good feedback from, uh, last week. Uh, I just, uh, right off the top of my head before we get it right into Netland, uh, we had our most views ever on that right. uh, bo- bonus question it also about when I asked you other pl- Met players to wear number 21. <laughs> that, I People, totally, that I totally fumbled the ball on. Exactly. Yes. So I think the moral of the story, the more you fumble the ball, the better ratings we get. Yeah. All right. Just I'll try to that say in. the most off-the-wall shit I can possibly say today. Please do. Right. This is rated R. So, uh, oh yeah. Um, I guess I'd be remiss if we didn't start with, uh, with Yamamoto that yeah, he's the talk of the town across the country in major league baseball. Uh, right before we got on, uh, today, uh, it was, uh, pointed out by Bob Klapish, who is a very well-known uh, reporter. Doesn't really say much, but when he does, you, you take his word for it. Seems as, uh, Yamamoto, Wants to drag this baby out to maybe after Christmas. Uh, I don't know. But it's a rumor. But my goodness. I, like, make up your mind already, you know? I, I've never remembered a number one uh, free agent, if you will, dragging this this long. Uh, have you? Um, no. No. I think that possibly he's doing the opposite of Otani, where he's kind of enjoying the... Uh... The whining and dining, if you will, maybe a little bit, you know, um, yeah. enjoying the the people wooing him, if you will. And uh, he's going to, 
maybe wants to enjoy his holidays uh, peacefully with his family before he makes uh, the big decision as to where he's going to be spending um, uh, a huge part of his professional career, more than likely. Yeah, I totally get it. You know, you have 45 days after you're posted by your Japanese team. So that's January 4th. Uh, take it. I mean, it's a big decision. You it know? is a huge, yes. A huge decision, obviously. You know, it, it's just frustrating. Everything is on hold until he makes that decision. He is that one domino. When it falls, everything else will. Uh, specifically, what a, what a crazy world we live in that the guy that's not thrown one pitch in the major leagues is the is the linchpin to the uh, to now the off season. Yeah, I, I saw a tweet of yours actually that's saying exactly what you just said that he's never thrown a pitch in major league baseball and he is going to get probably three hundred million dollars plus. Uh, oh. It's nuts. Uh, yeah, I have a um, pretty reliable source from a place uh, from a guy that where I give uh, lessons here on Long Island. Um, he has he the guy runs a uh, travel ball organization and Cashman's Cashman's son plays in that organization. So I kind of I know a number that's been put out there, and it's okay. uh, it's a very high number, and he has not signed yet. So uh, interesting to see. Surprising that this is where we've come. But uh, I guess this is where we are. But it's a high number, and it's for a lot of years. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, reading everything, uh, and Jeff Passon, by the way, agrees with you. No offers have been, fi like, finalized to them, whatever team, to his agent. Uh, but $200 million it started at, and all eight big market teams are interested so we've now gone to 300 million is what we're estimating uh, but uh, i wanted to get into this yamamoto had dinner last saturday at steve cohen's mansion in greenwich connecticut uh it was reported the next day so it wasn't you know a big deal to get it leaked out uh i took that as a good thing how could you not um you know alex cohen Jeremy Hefner, Carlos Mendoza, and of course, Steve Cohen with uh, Yamamoto and his agent. Uh, like you said, whining and dining. It was their second meeting. Uh, that tells me that obviously they're interested. And I. it tells me that if Steve Cohen, and tell me if you agree with me, like counsel, Steve didn't want to get used for his money. He's got to be careful with that. It tells me if he had them over as dinner guests, he knows that he's not being used for just financial gain, having him over at his mansion, you know? So I take that meeting on Saturday as a very good thing. Yeah, I would definitely think that a second meeting over dinner is, uh, is a positive sign. Um, <clears throat> I will say that the, the rumor that I heard is from the Crosstown team. So uh, I think with the biggest guy going to the, uh, the left coast, maybe the second biggest guy in the offseason is probably looking for something on the right coast. Yep. And um, it's obviously a good sign that he's uh, he's met for with the owner and the manager and the coaching staff for a second time. And, uh, you know, I want to say fingers crossed. But again, I'm a little bit pessimistic for a guy that hasn't thrown a pitch in the major leagues yet uh, to be seen. I, uh, I, I think if you look at some of my tweets as well, there's been quite a few good Japanese pitchers. I don't think uh -huh. there's been a been a great Japanese pitcher. Nothing against Japanese pitchers, but that's just the, the facts are the facts. There's been plenty of good guys. Yeah, I agree. Borderline very good, but not great. So I still want to see him be great. Maybe, I mean, Singh is a little bit older, and Singh is probably in his second year. I was, I would suspect that he might even be better. 
but uh, that's a lot of that's a lot of glue to be thrown at a guy that hasn't thrown a pitch in the major leagues yet. Yeah, uh, totally agree. I would say Hideo Nomo really tops that list off the top of my head. Uh, maybe Tanaka with the Yankees. Yeah, in terms of pitching, yeah. uh, probably forgetting a couple of players too. But uh, I, I look at it as a good thing. Metcher, I going about it a different way. They're going about the family way. The not really the courting with the money so much yet. Making it more like, I mean, Steve flew out to Japan, had dinner with his family. Now in the second meeting, he had them get as guests at their mansion. It's a little different like what the Dodgers are doing, where they're wooing him with all the star power that they have. And, you know, all these weird, you know, power moves. The Mets are doing it more of like, uh, we want you as part of the Mets family. And I kind of like that. Um, it's a different approach. Yeah, absolutely. Different approach. I'd be interesting to see if... Uh these teams are going to try to do the whole defer money thing uh, that, you know, that the, I, I mean, I would think that the, the owners is probably going to battle their, their asses off to try to get that taken care of uh, in the next collective bargaining agreement, or maybe they won't. I don't know. I just think that uh, that contract from uh, Otani has, has changed the landscape quite a bit. So it'll be interesting to see how it, uh, how it pans out with uh, this, this very big contract. Yeah. I'll say this uh, before we put a bow on uh, Yamamoto. I really do think, you know, there's eight teams in, you know, the bigger eight franchises in terms of cities and payroll that Steve Cohen's all in. We've seen it by his actions so far. He checks all the boxes for the Mets. He'll top any offer. He just will. You know, I'm 100% sure. It's a matter of Yamamoto wants to turn money down, which you don't really see ever. It's happened before, but it's tough for a guy to turn down an extra $50 million. It's just, you never see it. You know, you always see that big free agent and he's kind of doing it. Go get wine and dine and have all these teams bidding against each other, dragging it out for the most money. Yeah. Who has the most money? Steve Cohen. I th so I'll be positive and optimistic. I want to be positive and optimistic too. I want to see him pitch <laughs> and not in the Japanese league, in the well, major leagues. I want to see that. You're going to see him pitch and hopefully in a Met uniform because, uh, you know, in my opinion, could be wrong. It's now the three teams, Mets, Yankees, and Dodgers. And Dodgers traded for glass now. They still are after Yamamoto. Uh, but what I hear, and it's pretty fluid, Yamamoto doesn't want to be in the shadow of yeah. Otani. You know, that's a big thing. Well, I think that's a good point, too. The whole waiting after, after Christmas into the new year possibly is kind of – kind of letting you know that he, he's enjoying the spotlight a little bit because he knows that um, the spotlight is on him all right now and they all, all eyes are on him and he's kind of uh, holding the, the hinge as to what the next move is going to be after that. So he's enjoying it. Uh, hey, good for him, man. You know, great for him. Yeah. Um, if he does end up being a Met, I think it would be obviously great to have somebody like Senga who's already been through this a little bit to help him through. And it would be great if they could both be frontline starters and, and, and anchor – Anchor a staff that uh, could possibly for the next five, ten years, you know, be be great pitchers. Yeah, That's what we're and, hoping uh, for. you know, Otani obviously is a star in L.A. And if he goes to the Yankees, he's the number two behind Garrett Cole. He, he just is. Cole just won the Cy Young unanimously. You know, right. if he wants to be the man in New York, it's the Mets, and they're going to offer him the most money. I, the I just, whole the man, the man thing with the rookie, bro. I don't know. It's, I'm, you got to prove to me, man. You got to prove yeah. to me. I don't care if you had a one or whatever. I mean, I was told that Hideki Arabu was the Nolan Ryan 
right. of, of Japan, and he was not the it. Nolan Ryan of, of, of he was not. So to be determined, it. but I understand what you're saying. Yep, you're, you're, I get your point. It's I would say he's the know, number two to Senga until he proves he's the number one if he signs. Yeah, uh, you're, I get it. You're Mike pro- more prove it to me. But he's, he's the number two to Senga if he, if he signs with the Mets to me. Let, me. let me just say this. There's a reason why eight teams are after this guy for over $300 million. Well, we'll leave it at because that. Because that's the asking price. Because they all want him, and it's supplying de- it's the demand of this guy. So yeah, hopefully he's a Met, and hopefully by the time we have our next podcast, we could be talking about him as a Met. And that is a perfect segue into if they don't get Yamamoto, it has been reported by the Athletic through the sources that they have that the Mets are just going to punt 2024. Ouch. And that is a big fucking ouch because after last year, I can't go through that two years in a row. Um, so this, this would be year three. Yikes. Of, this would be year three of Cohen, right? 2021, 20, 22, 24th year. Fourth year. And how many years did he say we were going to – before we were World Series bound? Three to five. All right. So we're still in that still in that window, I guess. Yeah, we are. And, you know, how many you people can't... are on the 40-man roster right now? Is it, did we get up above 29 now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mets just made a trade for cash considerations. Uh, a guy on the uh, White Sox uh, – forget his first name. Ramirez, a four-something ERA. Uh so I think that makes it like uh, 35 or 6, actually. Okay. Um, right. So they're mostly, getting up there now. Yeah, but you got to remember, Peterson will go on the 60-day IL, uh, and um, Mauricio will go on the 60-day uh, IL. That's so right. they're off, off the 40-man right there. So, And yeah. it's, most, it's mostly relievers. I mean, they're, they're, I see their approach. They're, they're banking on bounce-back years, guys who have had success. they gotta, they got to fill the bullpen. They're doing it. You know, strategically, we'll see yeah. how it pans out. But right. if they don't get Yamamoto, it's going to be a punt year. It will. If they get Yamamoto, and you can disagree with me, I think now it's like I just want a big hand in poker. I'm feeling it. Let's let's you know double the blinds. You know, bring it. Uh, where do, where do you, where do we go next? Then where do you go next? I think if they get Yamamoto, they they get their ace or what you know. They're coace, if you will. And, right. And now they can build a rotation around him with Senga, Severino, and Kitana. And also the endorphins kick in. These They've been courting Yamamoto forever. They'll, they'd be the winner out of eight teams. You know, right. you don't fly to Japan if you don't want them. And I think if they get them, they're going to go more all in, if that makes sense. Look for... Uh, pieces to fill a, pu- fill a puzzle, if you will, and be contenders. If they don't, we're going to see more mid-players, more one-year deals, and wait for the class of 2025. As a fan, last year was miserable, and then even in 2022, bounced in the wild card round in three games. So I, I, I said it podcast ago. I'll say it now. It, it's still true. Yamamoto or bust. Yeah, It really, it really is. It's yeah, weird. because uh, Severino still obviously will have a lot to prove. You know, oh yeah, he struggled mightily, and uh, obviously he's dealt with a lot of with health health issues over the last few years. So you hope for you hope for health from him and uh, a big bounce back. Um, obviously, it's it's difficult enough that it is to pitch at the major league level, let alone to try to pitch when you're when you're not healthy. And he got, I mean, not my money, but if you're going to give Severino a one year deal, which is fine, you know, low, low risk, high reward, but you gave him thirteen million. 
given him thirteen million off of crap last year and forty five starts in the last five years. Wow. You could only imagine what they're going to give Yamamoto, or at least try to. You know, well, it's going to be at least three forty. I know yeah. that. For oh a fact. yeah, it's going to be at least three forty because that's that's the offer from the other side. Yeah, it, it, and that would be. There's only one pitcher that makes over three hundred mil, Garrett Cole. That would be the richest pitching contract in history. You Insane. know, if you don't want to count Otani, you know that's a weird situation. But uh, yeah, absolutely insane. It really is. It really is. But I hope the insanity comes to Queens. I'll put it that way. I hope it comes to Queens, and I hope it's, it's successful. Well, hopefully we find out. <laughs> yeah. We've got to right. find out one way or the other, that's for sure. No, I mean find out. In Queens. In Queens, exactly. Right. right. You know, I don't want it to be a ghost town at City Field. You know, I don't, I don't want I want to be able to tune in to games where they all matter. Not, right. oh, crap, you know, we're 10 under already. You know, who yep. cares? Yep. So I, I really think it as crazy as it sounds, it's really on a Yamamoto. It's it's insanity, but it's true. So we shall see, as they say. Well, hopefully he gets uh, gets it done sooner rather than later so all the other pieces can start to fall throughout the rest of the offseason and uh, we can start yeah. looking forward to spring training. <clears throat> yeah, it's like what Yogi Berra once said, it's getting lead early. It is. You know? We got a lot of players unsigned, and they're all waiting for that, like I said before, that chip to fall. Uh, and I mean, that it'll chip... be January before we know it, and that means six weeks till, uh, till pitchers and catchers. And that can go by real quick. Yeah. And you got the reigning Cy Young Award winner in the uh, NL, Blake Snell waiting, Montgomery waiting, uh, other guys waiting, you know? Yeah. They're, wait- they're okay with that probably because they're – So Mon- if, it, if it came down to Snell or Montgomery if, uh, as a sign, who do you, who do you go with there? I don't think that, I mean, they still got they, they would still have spots to fill, I would think, right? I, I, I yeah, of course. Unless we're giving Lucchese the ball every five days. Well, that could happen too. My opinion, I could be wrong. I think if they don't get Yamamoto, uh, oh, they're not. I don't think they're getting Snell no matter what. He's a West Coast guy. Yeah. Strong. There's a lot of rumors uh, for him and the Giants, uh, but Giants are in on Yamamoto. Uh, Snell, like we've discussed, to me is not that Cy Young feel guy. You know, with the he's got two more Cy Youngs than Yamamoto does. Yeah, but I, the stats, you know, all the walks. He never, ha- he doesn't have a complete game. He never gets out of the sixth inning. You know, I, you're fire, playing with yeah. fire here. Yeah, you know, I don't want him for what he'll get. Uh, as for Montgomery, he'll get over 130 million, uh, but he's not an ace either. So yeah. he would probably be a two or three. Um, and I don't think the Mets would shell out that money for a Montgomery. I really think they would just wait to 2025 when you have Wheeler and Max Freed, uh, Corbin Burns, the pitching class in the free agency in uh, 2025 is off the charts. You think and Wheeler would want to come back? If the money's right, he would have if the Mets made the money right. Yeah, you know, you Phillies so? did. Brody Van Wagenen had that famous quote saying, I forget because I blocked it out of my head because it was so freaking <laughs> crazy. But, you know, he basically just shitted on Wheeler, and Wheeler's been nothing but great since. Well, they, the I think that the Mets the Mets got pissed off – or not pissed off, got frustrated with uh, how long it took him to come back from the Tommy John surgery. Because I remember he had the, the issue with the, sti- with the stitches inside, and it yeah. took him a long time. And I think they got frustrated, unfortunately, because he's been yeah. tremendous. You know, I love watching that guy throw. <laughs> oh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's yeah. great. And he's a free agent already. 
So yeah, crazy. That's what I think will happen. I could be yeah. wrong, but they don't get Yamamoto. I don't think they're getting Snell or Montgomery no matter what. You know. So, but there are there other Glassnell's gone. Dodgers, unfortunately. Yep. Yeah. Uh, great trade for them for if he's healthy. You know. Uh, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Let's let's move on. A lot okay. of Yamamoto talk. Uh, I wanted to play a little fun game with you. Uh, we always like to have fun here on the Shalo podcast. Uh, I'll go first, and it's okay. going to be name your favorite five all-time favorite Mets in the history of the New York Mets, uh, and not in order. So either well, you could start or no, I'll no, start. You, you, you start. Okay. I uh, want to just – no order, you know. So I'll just read what I wrote. Uh I think it's a pretty good list, pretty standard. Piazza, got to remember my age and, you yeah, know, yeah, absolutely. Who, Piazza, John Olerud, even though he wasn't here for long. Rico Bronia. Good one. Love that man. Edgardo Alfonso. Love that guy. Jacob DeGrom. I, that's a very good list. Very good yeah. list. I'm going uh, to have a couple. I'm going to have a couple that are on your list as well. Okay. But I'm going to have to go with 386 Mets, and obviously Thanks. Doc and Straw being my two idols growing yeah. up. Um, Keith Hernandez, okay, Edgardo Alfonso, and Jacob Degrom. Okay, that would be my five favorite Mets of all time. <clears throat> yeah, I get it. You grew up uh, idolizing Doc and, and Daryl, and yeah, uh, who? Uh, that, if I was a little bit older, right. I just missed that era, you know, yep. for sure. Uh, fully understandable. Yeah. Um, Rico Brony actually was my favorite, first favorite player ever. Great teammate, great guy, great dude. What was it uh, that took him out early? His back, I think it was. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and going to the Phillies, right? Didn't he go to the Phillies? Yeah. Do you, do you know who who he got traded? Trivia question, Bill. Put I don't. You on the sp- I don't. You know it's better not, than me. It's who not a it? name. It's not a name. No one really knows. Toby Borland. Toby Borland, relief pitcher. I yes, know Toby. sir. Big, tall, lanky, righty. Yep, right-handed, yep. tall, lanky, exactly. Yep, Phillies. Yep. Nice yep. guy too. Country boy. Yep. Nice guy. Uh, didn't work out for the Mets, but you know, shit happens. And uh, you know, Degrom on this list, I have to because I watched him at his peak in his prime before all the injuries, and I've never seen anything like it. Be the and, best ever. You know, you agree too, and yeah, yeah. you know, there there he were was- times. He was can't miss television for me, just like Doc was when I was yeah. growing up. He was the same thing. If if, if Jake was pitching, uh, I wanted to be in front of the television or, or at the stadium uh, to yeah. watch him throw. Not yeah, many pitchers was, have that effect. Yeah, yeah, not many. But he's you know yeah he's the silent assassin too. You know he was so calm demeanor yeah. and all that. But he was a he's a warrior, and I I can't wait to see him come back. Even though it's not in a Mets uniform, I think baseball is better when Jacob Degrom is uh, yeah is healthy. Yeah. Hopefully he does come back healthy and, you know, regains his form and, you know, maybe calms it down a little, uh, with, uh, <laughs> throwing a hundred, you know, every to, pitch. That's hard to do. I, I I've said for I years, would, I would have liked to have seen him throw a little, learn to develop a curveball a little bit and throw his change up a little bit more to maybe help, uh, relieve some of the, the stress. But I mean, when you can throw a hundred miles an hour, 101 miles an hour on the black away from righties and know that they're not going to touch it. I mean, you know, why, why not do it? Yeah. Uh, Two pitch pitcher. He, that's all he needed. You know, 
Yeah. Kind of like Edwin Diaz, you know, Edwin, 100 gas wherever you want, and that 93 slider. And a backup know? slider. I often wonder if uh, Edwin throws that backup slider, which is like a cement mixer. That's what we call it in the, in the game. Uh-huh. If he's doing it on purpose, the one that kind of stays on the right side of home plate. I would think so. How to do, if he's learned how to do that on purpose, it's the one that sweeps away to the left. That's a special kind of talent. I'm not sure if he's doing it on purpose or not, but it's the hardest pitch kind of to hit in baseball, but it's one yeah. of those pitches that you can't ever really describe how to do it. So I, I, I want to say I'd like to think that he's doing it on purpose, but if not, hey, it works. Because yeah. like, him and Jake have the two hardest hardest to hit sliders in the game, most swing and miss sliders in the game. And if you think okay. about Jake's, Jake's only moves five, six, eight inches tops. You know, it's not like it's a huge sweep sweeper, like right. like they say, you know, which yeah. is crazy because you think about the two best sliders in the game for the last five years are pitches that are not sweepers. They're not huge breaking pitches. You know, they're just, uh, they move just enough and look just enough like a fastball long enough that guys just can't touch them. It, yeah, I'm happy you brought up Edwin Diaz, actually. Another reason why I'm going to bring up Yamamo last time. We get the Mets are getting Edwin Diaz back this year after a whole year of missing him. That's huge, you know. That yeah. that's your, you know, your, or shortens your, the game. Yeah, of course, it shortens the game. That's the uh, they get Yamamoto. You, you got Diaz now. Maybe you go back to uh, uh, that eighth inning. You know, no, whoever whoever no it is. On, no word on Robertson at all. What's Not at all. Nothing. Nothing at all. I haven't heard his name. I would hope to think that he maybe he feels like there's a little unfinished business, maybe you know, because I think he would be a good uh, a good signing. I I don't know shit about shit, and I don't have sources, but I could t- tell you my gut tells me he's waiting on the Mets to see what they do if they're they're going they're for it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. He'll be the eighth inning guy with Diaz, just like 2022. You that know, makes sense. or not 2022, but what was supposed to be 2023. Right. So, right. Uh, so, yeah, good list right there. We shared a couple of the same guys, Fonzie and DeGrom. Uh, I want to move on. I had this uh, – I have a thing for catchers, admiration, if you will, that catchers have, in my opinion, the toughest job out of all nine on the field. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get it. Every pitch, very everything. Difficult, very difficult position. And so when you take in that defense, offense, I wrote down what I think are the best catchers ever. And if I'm forgetting anybody, let me know. And also okay. tell me if you agree and tell me what you think about these guys. All right. Lay it on me. Not in order. Just wrote them down. Gotcha. Piazza, Yogi Berra, Johnny Bench, Pudge Rodriguez, Gary Carter, Buster Posey, Roy Campanella, and Yadi Molina. I mean, obviously, it's a tremendous list. Um, yes. A couple of the guys are a little too young for either one of us to see play. Right. But uh, anybody that – how many World Series did Yogi win? Eight? Yeah. Eight in a row? Did he win ten? He won a bundle. Eight, eight or more. It, yeah. could be, it could be 11. It's yeah, absurd. It's, it's yeah. So obviously, absolutely, that's a great list. Um, did you say Carlton Fisk? I, actually, no. I, I knew I forgot someone. I, I did not put Fisk down. there as well. He, um, yeah. This is one thing about Mike. I played with Mike. I've never seen anybody hit the ball harder in person. Mike was a tremendous hitter. Mike was not the best defensive catcher, but nobody tried harder to be good at right. it than Mike. You know, Mike gave he gave the absolute most he possibly could behind the dish, as well as even if he hit like a chopper to the third baseman. Yeah. He sprinted he sprinted his ass off to first base. 
So uh, you got to tip your cap to that. Obviously, recent times, Yadier Molina has become, he didn't, wasn't only just the best defensive uh, catcher, but he turned himself into a very good offensive player. Yeah. Um, Gary Carter, obviously for leadership, I, I would totally agree with that. I mean, look, his offensive numbers aren't off the charts. Like if you want to put him up against a guy like Pudge, you know, uh, Pudge Rodriguez, I played against Pudge. I played against him in winter ball, obviously a tremendous hitter. Um, another hall of famer. Uh, I think that's a great list. Um, lay it on me one more time. See if I can pick anybody else. Piazza, Yogi, Bench, Pudge, Carter, Posey, Roy Campanella, Yadi Molina, and I forgot Fisk. I think it would hard to argue. Uh, I mean, fun to watch. Maybe not one of the greatest of all time, but Benito Santiago was fun to watch back there. You know, Throwing from Tony, his knees. Tony, yeah. Tony Pena, not necessarily one of the best of all time, but another one that you really enjoyed watching him work behind the dish as a defensive specialist. I get, not, he's, maybe not greatest of all time on that list, right, but right. still fun to watch yeah. play, fun to watch the position. Joe Maurer could be on this list. I know he moved to first base, yeah. yeah, but he was a catcher for the twins for a long ass time. And he probably will make the hall of fame, whether it's this year or the year after. Yeah. Uh, But going back to what you were talking about with Piazza, obviously I didn't get to play with him like you, but I watched him every day. I've never seen right field power from a right-handed batter. Like anyone like Piazza, it was Unbelievable. He, you know? would, uh, he would almost hit the ball out of the catcher's mitt. He would wait so long on those pitches, yeah. you know. What if I remember the one he hit? Yes. It, was a, a <laughs> lot, it was a ground ball pretty much to second base. The next thing you know, it's it's hitting the wall in right field because he hits uh-huh. the ball so damn hard. Right but, right um, up the, through the gap. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I always remember um, being in San Francisco in 2000 and him taking batting practice. And I don't know if you know the stadium there very well, but there's a huge glove. Oh, yeah, left, left field. field. Yeah, and him hitting the ball up oh. into the glove in uh, in batting practice. Now, he, him and, to be honest with you, another name for guy, him and Jeremy Burnitz were the two hit the ball, the backside of the baseball in batting practice, the hardest of anybody that I, I ever played with. They were they were scary to be around the infield. Left-handed, when they were big in the, power. Yeah. Yep, when they were in the batting cage, make sure you. Oh, yeah. Back up a little bit because you don't want to be standing around the infield as a pitcher because you know you're, you're not a shortstop and those guys yep. are going to be waffling the ball. P- Piazza was the one player for me. It was you can't miss an at-bat when he was up because yeah. you might you might miss something, you know, whatever it might be. That gap. That's kind of, the that's gap kind of how I the, felt with, uh, with Daryl. Yep. So, I mean, obviously you were young when Mike was playing. That was kind of the same kind of thing. If You might miss yeah. something you've never seen before. If, yeah. if you miss that at bat. So you might want to make sure you're you're around the television or you're sitting down in your seat when it's when when those guys are coming to the dish. A lot of his game winning home runs or tying ones to right field. Billy Wagner comes to mind, Trevor Hoffman. Uh yeah. you know, he took Mo Deep. Uh you know, that was the left field. But I mean, my God. One thing about Piazza and then we'll move on. Did you ever notice this? Not many people do. Uh, but I did. Because I, I literally watched every iPad, I feel like. I had no life back then. but uh, And I'm okay in saying that. Piazza, not all the time, but sometimes, it's very subtle, he would do this with his jersey when he was in the right-handed batter's box. And every time, not 100%, but a good high percentage, let's say 70, every time he did this, he hit a home run. 
Really? Yeah. So when he did that, whenever it was, not every at bat, not you know, not every game, but I looked for it. The the eight years he was with the Mets, or you know, it was incredible. He would go like that, just you know, with the jersey tug on yeah. it. Yeah. Pitch comes in, bam, home bam. run. I do remember him doing that. And you know what I always thought he was doing? I thought he was like moving his chain into his, think, into his jersey. That's what was, I thought. Well, I, I, thought, I don't like, remember no, him wearing he a chain. Hanging out of something, he, you know, no. kind of pulling it no. back into his jersey. It wasn't a chain. I never, it was, I don't know what it was, but it worked. I don't even know if he's aware, you know. He might not be. Yeah, crazy. But I'm glad. It's cool you picked that up. Yeah. It was so cool. It, you know, it was like, oh, home run coming. Right. You know? uh, so that's actually another perfect segue to another fun game we're going to play. Uh, Mets Twitter actually just did this, which okay. uh, I was going to do it before. So like, great minds think alike, yes. I guess. Uh, th- they did this on their Twitter. Best duos in Mets history. So basically teammates at the same time, two players. Mm-hmm. Uh you can go first on this one. I already know the answer. So I'll give you more than one. How about that? That's what I was going to ask for. So yep. we, you tell everybody your number one. The obvious and, Doc and Straw, obviously. Yep. Right. And then I'm going to go with, um, man, see, this is the thing is I'm sure there's somebody that I could go with early, early years, but we're going to go more recent because I, I know that better. And I'm going to say David Wright and Jose Reyes. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, you can't go. Yeah. Came up together, had great careers together. Uh, Mets. They were Mets, too. You know, yeah. came up as Mets. They also were Mets. Yeah. So, and yeah, I like that. Right and Reyes. Reyes left the Mets right when Wright kind of got hurt. So they were connected the same time with the Mets and had great careers for as long as they were with the Mets. So I like that. Can't go wrong. And I can't help but just think of 2006. When, yeah, of course. Uh, there's my three okay um can't go wrong with those at all uh i like Seaver and kuzman that one two punch was deadly you know absolutely uh for me i think it's pretty obvious piazza and fonzie would be mine you know piazza for everything we just talked about and i've talked about it before egardo afonso is such an underrated clutch player uh, and a hell of a freaking fielder, both at third base and second base. Tremendous baseball player. Just yes. he's a ball player, 100%. One of my uh, favorites, one of my favorites always. Yeah. You know, and he moved to second base when he had to for Ventura, moved to third base for Kazmatsui or whatever the hell it was, or, or was that, or, or, I don't know. He just, he was a team player, clutch. I mean, he came up as a shortstop. I told you, yeah. I told you yeah. the story about Ray when Isringhausen got called a double A and he said, hey, there's a shortstop down here at A ball. Oh. Right. And he's like, he's he's incredible. I'm like, come on, man. Alfonso's great. Because I had played with Alfonso every year through the minor leagues. Right. And that's when Fonzie first made the first move was when Ray came up to play shortstop. And then they kind of moved to the big leagues together. Yeah. And then uh, it's funny. I actually just found an old photo of mine. And I want to say it was, I might have even been my first, first start. I don't even know. But it's from the first base dugout. And I'm in the middle of my delivery. And standing over my right shoulder, standing at third base, was Edgardo. So that's uh-huh. I just I put it up on my fridge as soon as I found it. I found it in a closet the other day, and I'm like, man, those were the days. So I got to make sure I put it up on the fridge. We went over this early. Let me just do the infield. Your first start was against the Astros, right? Yep. Third base, Fonzie. 
shortstop Ray Ordonez? No? no, he wasn't up yet. Hold on, I'll get it. Vizcaino? Jose Vizcaino. Okay. Jeff Kennett second. Yep. And your guy at first. Rico at first. Rico at first, yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I guess Todd behind the plate. Nope. Yes, Todd caught my first game. But then Todd got injured shortly after that, and actually Kelly right. Stinnett caught me quite a bit uh, Okay. my rookie year. But yep, okay. that was the infield. Yeah. Hell of an infield, actually. Not too bad. Not too shabby. Yeah, even though Vizcaino went on to the Yankees and killed the Mets in the World Series in Game yes, 1, I think did. it was. Yes, he did. Uh, all right. Uh, so those are that's my duo. But it, for the fun of it, if I had to go another one, I can't use any of yours. Those, that's no fun. Ooh, that makes it tough. People are going to hate me for this. I don't even like it. No. I was gonna, I'll was gonna. i tell you what I was thinking, but I'm not using it. I'll, Max Scherzer uh, and Justin Verlander. God, no. No, Scherzer was here. I mean, uh, Verlander was here for a I minute. know, I'm busting your chops. Busting uh, yeah, your chops. I know. Uh, you love busting my chops with uh, Scherzer. Uh, <laughs> who, now who's out till July with a herniated disc. Um, well, now here we go again. Some more stuff's coming out why this guy couldn't pitch. It's that amazing. Didn't, that didn't just happen yesterday picking up groceries. No, he was. Hey, uh, let's hear, your, let's hear your, your, other, your other two. I want to hear. I was going to say uh, Pete Alonso and Lindor, but no, no, no. Not yet. I, not yet. The piece got to, you know, resign and all that. Uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Okay. This is a good one. All right. I was in love with that 06 team, and I'll ne- never get over that year. Best team that didn't win. Delgado and Beltron. Very good. I like very, that. Very, very good. Okay. Yep, very good. Um, Let's see. I think that will wrap up the fun games for today. Uh, let's go to the mailbag, shall we? We shall. Okay. We are shalling. We'll start with your boy, N-Y-M-G-I, Bill. And by the way, please, we always ask if you have questions for Bill or myself. Uh, we always put it out there on Twitter, Shay underscore hello. If you have any questions for Bill or myself, MLB Mets related, please, you know, write them and we read them live on the air, just like we are right now. Uh, so NYMGI, he writes, Bill, when you got tr- traded, just wondering who tells you, is it like what they did in Moneyball? Um, the general manager, you'll get a phone call from the general manager, or if it happens while you're at the park, you'll get called into the office and probably the manager will be there as well as the general manager. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, Moneyball, I just remember uh, GM didn't want to do it, Brad Pitt in Moneyball. So that was our uh, Billy Bean. Art Howe. Or Bill, Art Howe. Yeah. Billy Bean was the GM, right. played by Brad Pitt. He right. had Paul DePedestra, who was played by Jonah Hill. Yes. Yes. Ha- do it. So he did his dirty work when they, in the movie, when they traded Jeremy Giambi, I believe. Yes. Okay. So, yep. yeah, every team's different, but, uh, you know, he, I guess NY. MGI was wondering how, you know, it went down for what you saw and for you. Yeah, Good question. General manager. Yep. Uh, Jimmy Langs. Lags. Bill, I enjoyed it. The segment last week about your number 21 on the Mets. Uh, so did I, by the way. What is your favorite number and how come and where did it originate from? Well, I, we've talked about this before. and it's, it's number 21. I was lucky enough to wear my, my favorite number um, in the major leagues which was special. Uh, my, I grew up, I always saw the numbers 12, 21, and I still do to, the, do to this day, 
1221. And like I've told you, my father's birthday, uh, which is coming up, and may he rest in peace, uh, was just 1221. Um, my father remarried. My stepsister's birthday was 1221. Oh, wow. Yeah. My buddy, my best friend here on Long Island, his wife's birthday is 1221. My uh, license plate number, the four <laughs> numbers are 621216. Okay. So 21 has always been my favorite number. How did it come about? I think I said this before too. As a freshman in high school, I wore number 19, somehow lost the jersey. Um, but in the, by the time that the season ended and we had to turn jerseys in, my sophomore year, I was given 21. And that's when 21 became my number. But like I said, prior to that, you know, if you look at the clock at random times during the day, 21 will be in there. You know, yeah. I see, I see one, two, three, four, which is 1221. If you take, Ah. numbers and put them all together so that's always been my favorite number i was very very lucky to be able to say and i I think i told you the story too about sagi uh in 94 during the strike dallas green came up to binghamton to watch the playoffs and he said you know bill you're gonna have to change your number when you when you get called up because i was wearing 46 because in the minor leagues the numbers just went from one to whatever the highest number was according to size so obviously i wasn't wearing number one as a bigger guy so I wore 46 and I said, Dallas, I have no problem changing numbers as long as you trade David Segui. And David huh. Segui got traded. And two days later, I got called to the big leagues and 21 was in my locker. Bill's making moves, man. Wow. Well, I was a cocky. I was cocky. Uh, yeah. I mean, they, they literally traded David Segui. <laughs> well, I don't know if they did that for my number, but they literally did trade David Segui and I got my number. So, I mean, we know that whether it be a coincidence or whether I was making moves, it doesn't matter. I like, once again, I was very lucky uh, to be able to put my number on and and wear the number that was my, you know, your number. You know, I feel bad for some of these Yankee kids that are coming up nowadays that have 87 and 96 and all that. It looks, it just, yeah, it looks silly. Everything's retired. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll pretend that it wasn't a coincidence. You made moves. We made it. Co- cocky Bill, younger Bill. Right. You know, he got the got shit done. That's it. Uh, we'll move on to one more. Uh, Mason. He asked Bill. I have struggled with my mental health, and I saw you throughout the first pitch at City Field on Mental Health Awareness Day, uh, and talked about it in an interview on uh, SNY. What advice would you give to someone who is battling? Thank you. Well, I mean, first off, I would always say never, never give up, never, never give up the fight, you know, and knowing that uh, these things are moments in time, um, knowing that they will pass, uh, if it's anxiety, if it's depression, um, it could be just a moment in time to know that it's, it's, this is your serotonin levels telling you that there's an issue, Uh, obviously seeking help, whether from a professional, from friends, from family, whatever it may be. Um, to try to get you through those tough times because we all do go through those. Obviously, some people go through them um, at a higher level and, and it's obviously more difficult for those people. But obviously, with medicine or with therapy, there are ways to get around it. But I think the biggest two things that I would say is don't ever give up the fight and to know that it's a moment in time and moments in time do pass. And you can, if you keep fighting, get through those moments and continue to to strive for, for, for better things. And don't ever give up, man. Just don't ever okay. give up. Well said. So thank you for that. Thank you for the question, Mason. Thank you for uh, everyone that uh, wrote in. And uh, don't forget, every podcast, 
we do the mailbag just like we did. Send it in. I put, we put it out there with Shay underscore hello, and uh, we'll read it live. So thanks for answering, Bill. And uh, we will go to one of our favorite segments, Quick Pitches. And if you're familiar with the podcast, we have some you know uh, regular listeners who are very familiar. Quick Pitches, I asked Bill three questions. He doesn't know what's coming, and they're off the wall. It doesn't have to do with baseball. Ready, Bill? I'm ready. What is something that's true to you, but nobody agrees with you on it? <laughs> nobody agrees with me? Let's say most people don't. Not okay. That we are a hybrid between a humanoid that was on this planet and something from another planet somewhere else in the universe that came down here and created us. And that's the missing link. Okay. I got to think. Most people about- don't agree with that. That's gotta, true to me. Can you say that one more time? Because that's a... That we whoa. are a hybrid yeah. of a being from another planet, whether it be outside of our solar system, more than likely outside of our solar system, that okay. came here and created us with humanoids. And if you look through history, the Anunnaki and the Nephilim, we can go into a lot of different stuff. Uh, I mean, if you want to talk about angels... Where did they come from? They came from the sky. Where did, you know, the gods were on mountains in the sky. I, I believe that. I truly believe that. Um, and I don't think a lot of people agree with that, but that's to each their own. And you can believe what you want to believe. So I believe that we are created from another being, from another place that came down here. And there were many, many hominids on this planet. And that's your missing link as to what happened between hominids and human beings. Okay, you answered the question. Uh, second question. I'm sticking with it too. Yeah, no matter what. that's exactly what the question is. And damn, you were you're sticking with it. You know, uh, number two. If you could meet anyone in the world today, who would you meet? Want to meet? If I can, that's alive right now. Yeah. Man. Anybody. Oh. That's a real tough question, to be honest with you. Good. Um, <laughs> we could come back to it. I know go it's to the next one. one and give me a second. Go to the next one. Okay. What are, number three, what are those things you're too old to do, but you still enjoy to do them? Video games. I mean, I'm 50, but I right. play Warzone basically on a daily basis. I, I enjoy video games. That's my pastime when I'm not working or if I'm, you know, because I work nights a lot, so on the nights that I'm not working, usually my family, my kids are, you know, they're older now, so they're either out or they're in bed. My wife's in bed, and uh, I play a lot of Call of Duty. I play a lot of Warzone. Okay. And my person, I would say Elon Musk, because I got to know if oh. this guy's really that smart or not, because sometimes he seems like it, and other times he seems like maybe the ketamine is <laughs> uh, eating his brain. That's, uh, okay. That's definitely uh, a name. I'd like to sit knows. down and, and really have a conversation with this guy and uh, whether he's talking or whether I'm asking questions, I think right. that would be an interesting one. I like that. Richest man on earth and, you know, has, is wacky, you know, a very, a little, a little bit out there. And hey, look, yeah. I'm a little bit out there too. I'm not the richest man on earth, but I'm a little bit out there too. But I feel like I'm a pretty good judge of people and I'd like to sit down and kind of pick his brain a little bit. I like that answer. Maybe he'd be I, picking my brain. I don't know. Maybe he'd be playing me. There's another guy actually that believes in uh, extraterrestrial uh, beings and uh, other, you know, interstellar travel. So I think that would be interesting. Yeah. Okay. I like that answer. I do. Wasn't expecting it. And I actually do like it. Um, I got a bonus question for you. 
Do it. We're going to do what we did last time. Um, this is episode 18. Daryl Strawberry, obviously 18. Yep. Having it retired 2024. We don't know the date yet. Okay. Same as last time. This is hard. How many number 18s of Mets history oh, geez, can you I name? I have no idea. I have no idea. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Okay. Well, I, would, I have no idea. All right. I'm not trying to stump you, but there's one guy on this list that you've brought up uh, on the podcast that uh, played around your time that wore 18. Pitcher. And we talked about him. Uh, what did Bobby give... Jones wear? Uh, right-handed Bobby Jones. What did he wear? He, did, he wasn't 18. 20, 28, I think. Yes, 28. You're right. You're right. right I'll get with I'll... the pitcher. Brett Saberhagen. Boom. Yep. Okay. Yeah. He, uh, Saberhagen had it for a couple of years and it was yeah. right around your time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to read off. Strawberry had it forever, 83 to 90. Um, quick story. Remember uh, the name, uh, Duffy Dyer? Absolutely. I see Duffy every year at fantasy camp. That was his Back, number. Uh, 18. Yeah. Uh, wow. Backup catcher for the 69 Mets. Yes. Um, funny story on my end. When I was like 13, 12, whatever, I, there was an outing and I got lucky and a friend invited me for the 69 Mets. And they were all there. And Duffy Dyer was the first 69 Met that I met. And I don't, I'll just remember that because I had no Let idea who he this. was. Was he gruff or did he crack a joke? Which one? Because it's one or the other with Duffy. I, I enjoyed my. He was definitely cracking jokes. Okay, I, yeah, because Duffy remember definitely him. has a good sense of humor, but Duffy can get a little gruff sometimes too, as we all can. Yeah, and and by the way, speaking of catchers, this whole time I'm drinking out of this mug, and we talked about Mike Piazza. Let me. Is that this who it is, is? It's it's dugout mugs. Look it up, um, and it's Mike Piazza model with his you know autograph, right? You know engraved in it. So it's a dugout. It's made out of real wood, yeah. And uh, it's good for drinks. And this one's Mike Piazza. So that's pretty cool. Um, I'll just read off a couple more names, and you're going right. to be like, ah, of course. Joel Youngblood. He had it for a while. Yeah, Joel was actually a coach of mine with the Brewers. Okay. Um, and then he was at fantasy camp three years ago. He did do fantasy okay. camp with us. Okay. So I know Joel, good guy, real good guy. Yeah, he wore it uh, 77 82. So okay. uh, I guess the, what do they call that? The dark ages for the master? Is that you know? what it was? Oh, geez. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then a couple other names. So we went Saber Hagen, Daryl Hamilton. Okay. I played with Daryl Hamilton in Milwaukee as well. Yeah. And a couple of the next names, I think you played with all of them. Craig Paquette. Mm, I know the name, but I did not play with him, I don't believe. I mean, no, yeah, I did. What year was that? I, I might have been. It might have been one of the years that I was kind of up and down and back and forth. It was right. I think it was in '98 or '99. Yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yes. Jeff McKnight. No, right around that. He was, he, you know, a, a, a no name, if you will, it was but a little bit before my time, I believe. Okay. Takashi Kashiwata. I did not play with. Te- Say the name again, Takashi. He was a pitcher, Takashi Kashiwata, Japanese pitcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he come over in like 2000? Was that his? Yes, around there. Yeah, I think I was in spring training with him and then played briefly with him before I got traded to the Dodgers. Yeah, because I wrote this in order. So, yeah. 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 Uh, And then you got Marlon Anderson. Okay. Loved him. Who was a Philly Uh, as well, right, Marlon? Yeah. Yeah. And had a good career with the Mets. Uh, Yeah. 
very good inside the park home run. I remember I was there very clutch with the Mets. Um, cool. You know, got a big suspension for PEDs, but uh, it happens, I guess. Yeah. Uh, here's a name. He only played two years with the Mets, but damn, he was good. Moise Salou. Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. My he's goodness. A, yeah, he's a tremendous player. You know the big thing with him and what, you know, his bare hands, like what he I did with know. that. I yeah. do know that. You want to tell the audience? He used to pee on them to make them hard. <laughs> Yeah, because he hit with no batting gloves. It worked, and it helped with the calluses. Yes. Yeah. He, they he had say great... that you could use pickle juice too, but I don't know. You know what else they used to tell us with? Because uh, in spring training, a lot of the time, and this is back in the day, um, you would get athlete's foot during spring training yeah. from wearing your sanitary socks, and you wouldn't, you know, you'd be out there running around for hours and hours and hours. They would tell us to to pee on your feet as well. Believe wow. it or not, and that would kill athlete's foot. Well, so obviously, urine has uh, yeah some positive effects. Alou did it. It for worked. baseball players, yeah, and it, maybe it, soldiers. Yeah, uh, it's weird, but you know, hey, it, for whatever you, reason, you do whatever works, man. Yeah, I, it, I always go back to the movie Major League with Eddie Harris and uh, Rick Vaughn. You put Rick Vaughn, the ball. He's like exactly. He's like, I don't got an arm like your kid. You right. kid, I got yep. you know, find anything I can. That's right. So, uh, absolutely. What was the craziest thing you ever put on uh, your whatever hand or, you know, to get more any, to anything to help well, you? Look, I mean, obviously there was a lot of, uh, well, craziest thing that guys wouldn't, that people wouldn't know about. It would be like the firm grip that um, golfers use to put on their uh, grips of their golf clubs. Okay. We yeah. Would use that we would use, um, and most of mine really, and this was before, before the whole spider tech thing came out, it was more about, just trying to stop sweating because I yeah. was a sweaty guy. My, my arms sweat, my hands sweat quite a bit. So shaving cream and alcohol, uh, suntan lotion and alcohol. Yeah. You know, you, I would cover myself. I, I think about it nowadays. I'm like, I, and there was quite a few games actually during the summer this year where it was only like in the eighties where I was watching games and those were the games where it was like 13 walks and all that. Uh-huh. And those were games where I'm like, so MLB, this is the reason why guys put stuff on their, their pants on their arms then I, I think that it didn't really start as a I can make the ball spin more thing. I think it right. kind of relative turned into that over years. But you know, the firm grip, the the shaving cream and alcohol, the the sun tan lotion and alcohol. I know guys used to put um, hair gel in their hair. Uh-huh. So when you get a little sweaty and you you know you put you get a little bit of your grip. But those were the things that most guys used. I used to have actually a little cup that I would sit in the dugout that had rubbing alcohol in it and then wow. a rosin bag sitting next to it. Uh-huh. So I could yeah. do a little bit of rosin, do a little bit of alcohol and it would make a nice, you know, I never, I didn't play in the days of the, the, the spider tack and that, which was obviously, it was originally made for lifting the Atlas stones, which is like the, um, the world's strongest man. I don't know if you've ever watched it, the big, huge globes right. that get heavier and heavier. That's what that was originally made for. And they would rub it all over their, their arms so they wouldn't slip through their arms. And Crazy. Somebody, somebody figured out in baseball that it uh-huh. helped get a grip on the ball, and lo and behold, it, obviously, the better the better you can grip the ball, the better you can spin the ball. Yep, I totally agree. It, it, I see how it, it transformed from, like you were saying, just to get a, uh, a grip because you sweat a lot. Just, I'm sweating. Right, yeah. and, then pe- and then it turned into it turned trying into, to yes. spinning the ball. Absolutely. So, I never uh-huh. got to where that one was, but I, look, I think back to towards the end of my career – and I remember I had a really bad blister on a finger one day and I was taping it up. And I mean, I was putting, um, uh, 
super glue on it and then filing the super glue to just to try to hold the blister together. And the super glue itself, when you filed it, kind of turned into like a slick, a slick feeling. And I remember putting pine tar and uh, pine tar and rosin together on the oh, backpack wow. and just rubbing my hand on it. And I do think back to that. I'm like, man, those nights were nights that I had like really, really good cutters and that. So I never really thought about it at the time, but now looking right. back, obviously that's, that's what was going on. Yes. Thanks. Okay. That's all I get it all. To me, in my eyes, make it even take the pine tar and the rosin away from the hitters and we can all play even then. They're just trying to get a grip on the bat. I'm just trying to get a grip on the ball. You can make that case. You're right. Play, yep. Even playing field. Yep. Uh, just to finish the list, uh, Travis Darno wore it for a couple of years with the Mets. Okay. And uh, it looks like the last player that will ever wear number 18, Nick Plummer, 2022, if you remember that name. Didn't Nick last Plummer. long. Had a big home run in 2022 against the Phillies. Okay. And uh, he will be the last player to wear it. Cause player to wear it. it. Uh, it's going up in the rafters. So he can always say his numbers retired by the New York Mets. Yes, he can. And everyone right. else. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that oh, good. I, weird, weird, good list. You know, mixed players yeah, yeah. all over yep. the place. Yep. Uh, that's going to do it. You know, time flies when you're having fun. Like we Absolutely. always do. Absolutely. Uh, I want to thank Stephen White, our producer behind the scenes, uh, Brought to you by RootsDashRecordings.com. I want to thank everybody who was watching and uh, listening on our YouTube channel, which is uh, Shea Hello Media on YouTube. Please subscribe and uh, leave a comment. We'll answer. And if you're listening on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, give us a follow. Uh, we're everywhere. And uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we did about an hour today or so. I feel like we could go hours um, but you know, podcasts are not meant for that. So, uh, another good episode in the books. Uh, any last words, Mr. Pulsifer? Uh, thank you. Thank you, Casey. Thank you, Steve. Thanks. Uh, I, I appreciate the questions every week from the guys that send the questions in. Um, enjoy answering them and, uh, hopefully everybody's enjoying the show. Absolutely. And hopefully we get an answer on Mr. Yamamoto. Uh, hopefully. yes, yes. By the next time, uh, hopefully. we shall talk. So, uh, again, thanks for everybody who, uh, was listening and watching. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Steve. Beyond the scenes. And uh, have a great rest of your day, everybody. This has been the Shea Low Podcast.